this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's time to start the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to get things started for the great pop culture debate podcast to discuss the best Muppet ever. Jim Henson's cuddly puppets have delighted audiences for of all ages for five decades on film, TV, and video games, and even when it comes to pigs in space. There have been dozens of named Muppets who have been introduced since then, and we wanted to figure out which is the best Muppet ever. I call my grinder account the Rainbow Connection. I'm your host, Eric Resnack. Please welcome my panel for this week. One of the only people on the planet to demand Muppets tonight on streaming, it's Ama Marfo. We've got a show for you, guaranteed brand new, so let's get into this episode. Let's get into it. She puts her chicken in her brew. It's Kate Raculia. Bork, bork, bork. He is also secretly made of felt and googly eyes. Welcome back to the podcast, The Turkish Delight, Matt Turk. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Google, Google, Google. <laughs> Before we get into the debate, let's go over how this works. We put up an open poll with just about every named Muppet we could find. For our purposes, we focused strictly on Muppet franchise itself. No Sesame Street, no Fraggle Rock, no Animal Show, nothing. Roughly 60 people took the survey, and we took the top 32 vote-getters, ranked them by popularity, and assigned them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. We're also doing things a little bit differently for Season 3 because you demanded it. We're taking it down to just one made episode per topic, where we're starting with the Sweet 16 and arguing down to our ultimate winner. If you want to hear how we winnowed things down from the top 32, become a Patreon supporter to listen to the Patreon-exclusive warm-ups where we worked our way through round one. By the way, you can play along at home. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com, click on polls and brackets, and there you'll find the listener bracket for this and every episode of the podcast. Make a copy for yourself. That part is important. Then fill it out with your own picks to see how they match up to our panels. With that being said, we're going to move right on to the debates. First up, it's the ultimate number one seed, Kermit the Frog, versus Pepe the King Prawn of four seed. So we discussed this in advance, and as of right now, it's unanimous for Kermit. But I did want to check, is anyone planning to vote for Pepe here? Not I. No. Not me either. That's all right. I do want to say, uh, on behalf of Pepe, who did win his first battle in round one, uh, and we were talking about the fact that we wanted to support him as a newer entry to the franchise, Pepe is hilarious. Uh, I wasn't fully on board with him when he first showed up in We Believe Muppets Tonight is his first appearance. But I find him very funny on Muppets now. He's deployed really well on that in multiple different sketches. He's sarcastic. His energy is, I feel like, toned down a little bit. He's a little too manic for me in in Muppets Tonight. But I think he's really well done in Muppets now. And I think he's been a great addition to the franchise. Um, He's just not Kermit the Frog. So... (laughs) It's kind of hard. It's kind of (laughs) hard. That. For that reason, Pepe is unfortunately out in round two. Next up, three quarters of the panel found three seed Beaker scientifically preferable to Rizzo the Rat, a two seed. Kate, do an experiment to test Beaker's staying power while Ama shares a tale about Rizzo. I'm going to have Kate go first. Me, 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 me,
Well said. Thank you. I will actually make an argument. (laughs) So Beaker, I I was just in my research this morning. I just found this list of things that have happened to Bunsen Honeydew's hapless assistant who looks more like a test tube than a beaker. Let's talk about puppet design. He is just like a foam cylinder and he is so funny. Who doesn't love a ginger? Uh, But he has been shrunk, cloned, punched, deflated, turned invisible, blown up, and he comes back for more. He is a a portrait of resilience in the fame of almost constant fear. And he has a lovely singing voice. (laughs) He really does. He does. Uh, uh, okay, that is a great. I always think of him as the pathos, right? Like you can yes. see his eyes. He, his eyes are just two ping pong balls with circles on them. <laughs> That's so great. He, like, he knows what's coming, and yet he just he, his loyalty is unwavering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ava, what do you have for us for Rizzo? I mean, I love. I know we're going to be a whole bunch of these. Where anytime you have to argue against, it's like. It will be prefaced with, I love the character I'm supposed to be arguing against. And that is so true for me. But I think Rizzo, just the way that he kind of came into the universe and just kind of quickly established himself as someone who you just really wanted to keep watching. He kind of went from someone who very frequently didn't have to speak um, into kind of a character that you kind of wanted to hear what they had to say and see how he interacted with other people. So, I mean, I definitely love both, but I think there's something to the way that the Rizzo character was able to grow just because no matter where they put him, he just kind of flourished. And I think that's that's something to be spoken of and recognized. He's got gumbo. Yeah. And he may have gumbo that you threw out last week. Uh, Matt, what is your take on this one? Where are you coming down? Uh, we, I have to say, most of these, as I go through them, I talk about them with my partner and we go through. This was the most contested one in our household when I told him I was coming <laughs> down on side of Rizzo. He was very upset because Beaker is his favorite Muppet of, of all time. So I'm, I'm a Rizzo stan, though. I just, I applaud, I applaud his gumption. Um, I'm, I'm torn on this one. Uh, I actually didn't even have Rizzo advancing through round one, but in it, which you listen to the Patreon, you, you'll, you'll hear the very good arguments for why he should. Um, I was reminded that I saw Muppets Take Manhattan at the drive-in when I was like five. Uh, yes! yes. Oh, that's and awesome. I'm going to set the, I'm going to set the scene for you. We're okay, in okay. We're there. the station wagon, Picture the wood paneled station wagon. <laughs> It's me. I'm going to say I'm around five, maybe even a little younger, maybe four. And uh, my older brother, Brian, who's four years older than I am. And then my baby brother, Todd, who's like three years younger than I am. And he's in a car seat in the back. And the scene with Rizzo and the rats skating on the griddle with the butter comes Mm. on. And my older brother is so grossed out by the idea of rats <laughs> skating on a griddle, he begins violently vomiting. Like, he cannot stop throwing up. And so my parents have to take him to the bathroom. at the. And meanwhile, I'm there in the car with my infant brother, who obviously is like a sack of potatoes. And I'm like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm jumping from the front seat to the back seat. to the. I'm, I'm watching this movie. It is the best moment of a like four-year-old little gay boy's life. Um, that's my Rizzo the Rat story. Wow. Wow. Every now and again, there's like a meme or something floating around on Twitter where they're like, what is your best like theater going experience of going to see a movie? I've not read one better than what you just (laughs) said. There you go. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and if you want to hear about Amma's tra- uh, tragedy with her sibling and Muppets, again, check out the Patreon. Um, 
So I, I have to say, like, I, I do love Rizzo for that moment. And I, I love the fact that he has risen up through the ranks and he can do a ton by just literally the puppet on a stick turning slightly to an angle. He uh, communicates so much. Beaker to me is the better character. As I said, there's pathos there. Uh, Bunsen Honeydew, I don't, and some tell me this, we'll get to Bunsen in a minute, but I feel like he's gotten more sadistic over the years. <laughs> Earlier he was just kind of clueless, and now he's fully a sadist in Muppets now. And that means that Beaker is his willing, um, what is it, masochistic partner. And I'm fascinated by this. Um, so I Eric, to go- Eric, I've thought about this, and I can't really figure out if like we're seeing it as sadistic because we are kind of identifying with Beaker, or if it's actually becoming sadistic. Like, I don't really know where we are at this point, but I think there's like an element of it to me where it might not actually be getting any worse, but I just feel like it's getting worse because I imagine myself in Beaker's position. But even if yes. that's the case, that's a really interesting way yes. to be able to identify with a character. And I don't yeah. know that that comes up in this context very often. I don't know either. And that's a great point, but like literally watching the Muppets now episodes, like the one that introduces Beak R, his AI replacement that Honeydew <laughs> brings in. Um, like he's horrible to Beaker. Like he's really aggressively mean. And I don't remember him being like that when I was a kid, but maybe I just wasn't picking up on it because workplace interactions weren't really of, of interest to me as a child. <laughs> that's um, a great point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just don't know. It's actually well, it's very, a very complicated. It's a very Tom and Jerry, Sylvester and Tweety Bird relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like, except Except that reversed. Tom is actually like employing Jerry. Or I guess it would be Jerry employing Tom in this case because Tom is the cat. Yeah, but you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, where is HR? Where is it? Yeah, I was just thinking Muppet? like it's not an OSHA compliant workplace. They don't appear to have a human resources department. Like, not not even not even. Yeah, they have a like, legal department. Yeah, but. No Muppet resources. No Muppet resources. <laughs> Can we also just talk about Beaker's mouth in terms of puppet design? It's just a slit cut into a tube. It's amazing. So good. So, Very good. so good. Very good. All right. So, Kate, are you sticking with Beaker? Me. Ama, where are you coming down here? Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, I think someone has to come down on Beaker's side in the absence of a human resource department. So why not? Yes. <laughs> Matt Turk, you are a Beaker. Uh, no, Matt Turk, you're a Rizzo stan, right? I am a Rizzo stan. But All right. I love Beaker. So, you know, no complaints. I think that's three quarters of us with Beaker. Uh, so it, really the winner here is Adam Lubito. Uh, so <laughs> make sure you know that, that that's Matt's partner. Um, so, uh, we will be moving our ginger scientist assistant forward. Next up, one seed, the Swedish chef currently looks poised to unanimously cook the goose of five seed Camilla, the chicken. Um, Matt discussed Camilla at length in the previous round. Uh, I wanted to just check nobody's changing their vote here for camilla we're all team swedish chef correct yep team yeah. team chef D- despite despite my passion for for chicken puppetry no it's all about the chef <laughs> yes and despite her um on point eyeshadow game Absolutely. we are going to have to advance the swedish chef here bork, uh we are current yeah bork 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 we are currently deadlocked <laughs> between two seed animal and three seed sam the eagle i don't want to work so i'm going to bang on the drums all day for animal but ama why are you pledging your allegiance to sam the eagle go first i don't know i mean i think I think there are a couple reasons for this. So one, I think it's a little bit more restrained of a performance in the sense of like animals just going wild. He's got like a note 
right? Which is a great note, but it is a note. Whereas sure. Sam Eagle, I think, occasionally can kind of like seem to be moved by what's going on around him. So he has a few different gears. Um, there's also the petty piece of me that will openly admit to this on the internet, because why not? Um, <laughs> I had a college boyfriend who, as a kid, was terrified of Sam Eagle. So the idea of elevating him over other Muppets just feels like the type of petty I'm feeling today. So let's... Uh, He's going to be sad about it somewhere, and I don't feel bad about that. So, moving on through. You know I love a petty vote, Uma. You know I cherish it. And I don't have any, but trust me, he deserves it. Oh, I believe that. Now, what I'm fascinated by is how any child would be terrified of Sam the Eagle. Yeah. I don't get it. He he couldn't articulate it. I don't don't really know why that was. Is Is it it the prominent brow? Yes. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. Like... He does look like he's constantly disappointed in you, which I feel mm-hmm. like is the Sam the Eagle character. Yes. Honestly, mm-hmm. that might, it might be more of that because he had like mm-hmm. a weird relationship with his dad. So maybe it's just like the oh, idea of a mother being perpetually disappointed in you. Yep. Yep. Um, he is one of, of Sam's estranged children. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which oh, we God, discovered. he is. He wanted, yes. I believe that the, if you actually read the bio of Sam Eagle, it says that he has two adult children who were in college. They don't speak to him anymore. His daughter is dating an owl. And I think he said that the son was studying to become an artist. And that is why he was disappointed in them. So, Sam. I mean, Sam. that's, that's the, uh, the second conversation in a very short minute as to why we need an HR department. Like. <laughs> HR violations left and right. It's just get, a minefield. Get him some employee assistance. He's going through some stuff and he is taking it out on his coworkers. Exactly. <laughs> if you're listening to this Jim Henson Productions, uh, you should you should seriously I mean you have a very funny it's at the otter who's the legal 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 weasel or is he a weasel, I guess. I always look at yeah. him as an otter. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Very funny. Like bring in the HR department. Like bring in bring in like Karen from finance. I don't know. But like <laughs> There's something to do here. Um, I will speak for Animal, unless Talk does someone about else want to. an HR violation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but Animal, it's funny. Uh, Animal obviously is a breakout star of the show. Uh, I loved him on The Muppets, but Amma's 100% correct. He has super one note. Like, he's just got <laughs> one thing. And as a kid, I gravitated towards that. As an adult, it's less of a shtick. I did find him very charming on Muppet Babies, however. And mm, I, yes. Is that considered still to be That's canon. Taken That's away? canon. It's canon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but do we take that into consideration because that wasn't actually the Muppet version of him? But well, but but in the Muppets Take Manhattan, isn't there a baby animal in Piggy's dream sequence while they go through Central Park? Yep. Mm. Sure. Yeah, and that's and that's the original origin that's of the Genesis, the Muppet yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So true. I absolutely think that's canon and and counts. All right. Um, I'm going to go around the horn here. I haven't made much of a great case for Animal. Does anybody else want to <laughs> jump in here with something else? I mean, he's he is like these two Muppets exemplify that sort of like order chaos thing, right? Like you <laughs> yeah. have chaos Muppets and you have order Muppets. And Sam's order is to the point of absurdity and Animal's chaos is to the point of absurdity. And Animal running around saying, woman, woman, doesn't age great? What? Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> like... And he's a great puppet with that like kind of fly away fur. He is a great puppet. But are we and, really yeah. about to break this down into who is the lesser HR violation? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
No, but Kate, that's exactly my like mm-hmm. an internal animal debate is that I remember as like a very young kid, like running around and like chasing like people at some sort of a family party going yeah. woman, woman, yes. and like, like being scolded for it. And now I'm like, oh, that, yeah, that did not that, age well at all. Yeah, like, that's no, very sure. bad like, sure for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but I, so that part, not good, but animal being able to eat through metal for some reason, love it. Eat drums, eat drums, eat drums, eat drums. And I mean, the giant animal head at the end of the Muppet movie. Oh, right. Yeah. It's true. All right. So I'm going to go around the horn here. Match Turk. Oh, Sam Eagle. Okay. Um, Are you sticking with Sam as as the spite vote here? I am. All right, Kate. I'm going with Sam. I got to go with Sam. Yep. It's Sam then. Sam's continuing. <laughs> you are all weirdos. <laughs> well done. Uh, next up, one seed Miss Piggy finds herself in a familiar position, facing off against four seed Scooter. And I suspect this ends the way that it does on the show. Piggy wins because Piggy is a star and that is how these things work. So are there any disagreements? No. 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 Not at all. <laughs> But that said, Kate, you did want to just speak on scooters. I do want to speak on scooter because when I was very little kid, my father had a nickname for me and that was scooter. And it was never expressed as such. But like as I grew up, I'm like, yeah, I had very short red hair and glasses. (laughs) (laughs) But it just it was such a compliment. It's a a warm, fuzzy memory. And scooter is because he just tries so hard. He's got his cute little like green jacket. I'm fond of him. Even though his uncle owns the theater and, you know, he makes their lives complicated. <laughs> I will, like, since we're talking about Scooter, I think this is an important point to bring up. Do what happened to Skeeter? Canonically, what happened to Skeeter? Nobody asks. Nobody knows. Don't ask. Uh, I feel very confused and very, very upset about this. Yeah. But I think we need some answers. Maybe Skeeter has actually been out, like, running the world. She's been with, you know, I don't know, the Peace Corps. And she'll show up at some point, like, this incredibly, like interesting accomplished woman and like be like scooter you need to get it together you're still eating ramen noodles and like (laughs) he would he would definitely still be eating ramen noodles yeah i'm 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 looking her up right now and yeah she's she seems like she made it to like there's like pictures of a teenage skeeter there's like comic books with adult skeeter explaining skeeter's absence okay Henson Associates Art Director Michael Frith once explained that she's now a famous explorer, never seen again, <gasps> after an exposition to the jungles of the Amazon. That's oh, dark. Wait, I, I got excited. Half of that's, that's good. Half yes. of that's good and half of that's not. <laughs> she's so like Uncle ends- Traveling Matt, which is another Muppet property. Yes. There you go. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So thank you for that. Uh, Scooter, we do hope that Skeeter's okay. Apparently she's now living with the pygmies in the African or the, the rainforest. Uh, we have next up is two seed Fozzie the bear. Waka Waka walked away with surprisingly unanimous victory over three seed Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. Does anyone want to say a few parting words for our mad scientist? <laughs> like you know, just design good. a character around a cantaloupe. I mean, or, or literally a honeydew melon. I just, I just love the Muppeteers. <laughs> Correct. And I will say back in the eight days of AOL Instant Manager or Instant Messenger, my original handle was B Honeydew something, some number I don't remember that was useless. Uh, and I don't know why I chose huh, that. Huh. I mean, obviously it was referencing Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, but why I chose Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, I can't speak to that. He um, does have one of the best lines in the Muppet movie. A four-foot prune. <laughs> Out of context, wonderful. <laughs> a lot of fiber there, and it'll keep you regular. A lot of fiber. And um, Kate, 
Kate, I say it's funny that also when we were talking about the Muppet Vision attraction attraction at Disney, that one of my favorite lines in that is about Bunsen Honeydew, which is literally when Kermit says, we invited world-class scientists to come to Muppet Labs and none of them showed up. So here's <laughs> yep. Bunsen Honeydew, <laughs> yep. which I just think is such brilliant writing. I just love it so much. Uh, I do want to add that if you're keeping track karmically, we are advancing Beaker, but we are taking out Bunsen Honeydew. So for once... <laughs> The good guy wins. Uh, <laughs> next up, one seed Gonzo looks poised to plunge to certain victory over four seed Waldorf. Um, so is anybody looking to change their vote on this? I don't think so because it's fucking Gonzo. It's yeah, right. <laughs> true. Like, true. But I do want us to speak briefly on the importance of Waldorf and Statler as well. So Matt, I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah. I, I think that when we talk about Muppets and since Earlier, we talked about Statler versus Waldorf, but we talked now about how they really are such a unit. And I think that that together comes back to, again, the best part of the Muppets is that they both can be sweet, but also they are so sassy with each other. (laughs) And in this case, not just with each other, because what I love about Statler and Waldorf is you are invited to be a special guest on The Muppet Show, and they're going to treat you like garbage. Like they're actually (laughs) going to hackle the hell out of you Mm -hmm. and try to make you hate agreeing to this arrangement that you have put yourself in. (laughs) I just, I think they are so perfectly performed and their lines are so good. I just, I think that the Muppets, even though they're probably not going to exist further in this bracket, the Muppets really don't exist in their current form without Statler and Waldorf. They're just, they're so intrinsic. Yeah, I think they're a very important ingredient to the show. They're yeah. the acid, right? Yeah. Like, otherwise, it's going to get a little too cloying. And yeah. so um, they were separate, by the way, so people understand in round one, they were separate. They went yeah. up against each other and Waldorf did advance <laughs> over Statler for very compelling reasons, if I say so. Um, but uh, I, I think it, you, you, it's hard to disentangle them as a, as a, as a duo. Yeah. And I'm sad to see them go out, but it's against Gonzo. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, what are you gonna do? Uh, finally, three seed Janice is up against two seed Rolf the dog. I will travel to the valley to support Janice <laughs> while Ama takes a turn at the keys to support Rolf. Ama, go first. I love Rolf. How can you not? I mean, I just think that he is just kind of a gentle, kind of chill energy, which not to say Janice isn't, she absolutely is. <laughs> but I also think that in the larger arc of the show and of the property overall, Rolf has kind of continued to have a place. Um, we've talked a little bit previously about um, Electric Mayhem kind of having a really strong presence at the beginning and then kind of tapering off as music styles sort of changed. And while Janice, I think, has survived that a little bit better than some of the other members of the band, I still feel like there's kind of always a place for Rolf. Um, yeah, I, th- I just think he's so much fun. Like even in the, I think the 2011 Muppets movie, like they were going around and finding everybody. And at some yes. point, Roth was like, <laughs> let's just say we picked up everybody else. So it like advances the montage so that the rest of the movie can keep going. Like he's just like, you know what? Executive decision. Let's just move us forward. And I think kind of having that larger governing presence over everybody is kind of representative of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always really enjoyed that about him. 
And as Kate pointed out earlier, uh, like Ralph was the original big successful Muppet, like yeah. pre Muppet show. Mm-hmm. Ralph was the Jim Henson creation that first got on national television and then led to more opportunities for what he did. Um, there may have been some other puppets pre Ralph, but he was the big one, right, Kate? Like, yeah, he was the one. It was, in, I think it was in the 60s. He was on the Jimmy Dean show. He was mm-hmm. on Weekly. He was kind of like, he was sort of his Andy Richter. Like they had a, a back and forth. Um, he originally was a puppet that they made for like a Purina commercial because Jim Henson did a lot of like commercial puppets yeah Yeah. um but yeah but Rolf was was there and he was Dr. Bob in Veterinarian's Hospital right like he (laughs) plays the piano (laughs) there's there's this great um the duet that he has with Kermit in the Muppet movie again in my research today I never even thought about this because Rolf is Jim Henson and Kermit is Jim Henson so that duet is him having a duet with himself (laughs) And like they recorded the track separately, but it is still very impressive. <laughs> and I listened to that song today too, and it is really—it's a great song. It's the the two of them bemoaning their lives, their love lives, and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. women can't live them with them, can't live without them, the whole thing. Um, it, but it's it's moving, and yet even as a kid, you still find this weirdly uh, compelling, even yeah. though you have literally no idea what they're talking about. Um, the one thing I will say, and this is kind of interesting that these two are up against each other because. Janice, as as Amma mentioned, the Electric Mayhem has kind of fallen into the background a little bit, but Janice is still quite the popular Muppet. She actually has this bizarre fandom around her. And then when I <laughs> press people, I'm like, why do you love Janice? Bob Erlenbeck, who is also a panelist in this, is obsessed with Janice. I'm like, tell me why you like her. I have to defend her on the pop ca- podcast. He's like, I just think she's funny. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, enough. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong, uh, but right. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll work with that. Um, but she's continued to be present, even though the electric mayhem has fallen away. I feel like Ralph, who was a titan of the Muppets, I don't feel like they're deploying him as much anymore. Like, like what's the last Ralph segment you can think of? I mean, I yeah. think the last time I remember him being really prominent was in the Muppets movie, but then, like, in an interesting way, and now I'm starting to, like, I'm realizing some things about myself as I say this, but I think that... <laughs> Some of the role that Rolf had taken now is kind of the role that Bobo the Bear has taken. So yeah. I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, like me really also enjoying Bobo as a character is a lot of me enjoying Rolf in the form that we now get him. Mm-hmm. That's that a good sense. point. Because yep. yeah, he's this very like genial, chill energy. Um Also, in the research I was looking at, people said that he is more like a lot of people associate Kermit's personality with Jim Henson. And it's not that he isn't in him, but like Rolf is more like what Jim Henson's personality was like. He's not he's not trying to pull center stage, but he's just like there. And again, Rolf is a mensch. (laughs) And I also think not that all of the Muppets don't constantly like wink at the audience, break the fourth wall, recognize their reality. But some of them do, I feel like, more than others. Some of them have a sense of, oh, they're in their Muppet world, or they comment on being puppets. I feel like Rolf is one of the only ones who finds that balance mm-hmm. between recognizing and saying to people, like, well, I can't do this because I'm a puppet sort of a thing. He doesn't exactly acknowledge that, but I feel like he gets the closest to acknowledging that bridge between puppetdom you know humans and then like the situation he finds himself in but Mm -hmm. does it very calmly as opposed to like a panic sort of way which i think is really interesting about him he's a good interviewer he has good rapport with humans yeah right yes (laughs) which is also one of the things that make the muppets so fun and successful right is they exist in the human world and a big part of the whole muppet shtick is interacting with celebrities right like is is that 
like putting those two worlds together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to be clear, when I was pointing out that they're not deploying as much, it's because I want them to deploy Rolf more. I think he's kind of faded into the background. And I don't know why you would do that with one of your marquee characters, especially one who has as much historical importance to the franchise as Rolf. Um, I'm supposed to actually be defending Janice here. Um, one of the, in addition, Janice is hugely popular. She has this great fandom that follows her. She's. Uh, we were talking earlier about how there's kind of a, a Fleetwood Mac going on thing going on because originally she was with Zoot in like the early episodes, and now she's with Floyd Pepper, a different member of the band. Um, Janice was actually created originally to be a knockoff of Mick Jagger, which is why she has those big lips. <gasps> And that over the course of her development, she became a woman and she became Janice. And even though she's named Janice, it's probably a nod to Janice Joplin. She looks nothing like Janice Joplin, <laughs> but she does kind of have that flower child type of mentality. Although obviously Janice Joplin is a much more complicated character. Um, Janice is adorable and she's likable and she's hilarious. Like for uh, sure. Sure, man. Sure. Like, um, I'm not going to go naked, even if they offered to pay me. Um, like she's hilarious just being who she is. And she's a very recognizable and, and um, singular Muppet in that way. But even though I'm, I am pushing her here, and I know I'm going to be uh, – people will be disappointed in me for not pushing harder. I do think Rolf is actually more important to the series. So votes. I'm going to go – Matt, where are you coming down here? Rolf. Definitely Rolf. Kate? Rolf. Ama? Definitely Rolf. All right. So that is a unanimous vote for Rolf. Sorry, Janice fans. You can at me. Um, we are, <laughs> but you need to mail out, man. Like, totally, dude. Um, we are actually going to take a break before we go into our Elite Eight round, but we will be back real quick and we are going to get to the final victor, the best Muppet ever. Join us in a second. Kate. Hey, Eric. So I heard, and this may be true, that you were actually the Great Pop Culture Debate's very first Patreon subscriber. <gasps> Was I? You were. You're not only a panelist, you're also a founder. Also a founder. I mean, it does give me a feeling of joy to contribute towards high quality podcasts like the Great Pop Culture Debate so that, you know, like I get swag. Yeah. What kind of swag do you get? Um, you get a button. That's the one I signed up for. Is there a tote? I feel like there should be a tote. <laughs> There's not a tote yet, but that's a great idea. I have some other ideas that I'm working on. You get access to things early. You get access to Patreon only little minisodes. You get to hear the warm-ups before when everyone's just kind of getting their little sea legs before they get into the main the main attraction and you get season zero you get season zero it's exactly right you will never hear the otherwise folks and there's some great episodes in that which include best madonna single best rupaul's drag race lip sync best uh 90s cartoon and the only way you can hear those is by getting a patreon sponsorship with for as low as two dollars a month then you even get season zero just for that. So so thank you very much, Kate. Uh, we appreciate all of our Patreon sponsors. And if you do have the interest, please go to patreon.com backslash great pop culture debates and support us. Welcome back to the Great Pop Culture Debate's Best Muppet Ever episode. We are going into the Elite Eight, and we're going to start right off with the Titan, Kermit the Frog versus Beaker. I'm going to go around the horn. Ama, where are you voting here? 
Oh, wow. Uh, Beaker, but it is so close. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, Woo! Beaker. Uh, Kate. Kermit, my soul. My little green froggy soul. <laughs> Matt the Turk. Oh, I agree. It's so close, but I'm going to have to go Kermie. I'm also Kermit here, but Ama, I want you to tell me why you're picking Beaker over Kermit. I'd like to hear the argument here. So, Kate, in the same way that you just mentioned that Kermit is your soul, I feel like there's a significant part of my soul that's Beaker, just <laughs> constantly overwhelmed at what's going on. No idea what to say in any given situation. Uh, to the point where, like, when I had the opportunity to get, like, a custom pop socket, I have two of Beaker. Uh, so, like, just every day I would, like, look at my phone and it would bring me an absurd amount of joy to just see that, like, panicked face and be like, me too, buddy. Me too. Uh, but... You still get the job done, just like Beaker. That's the amazing thing. He's completely terrified at all times. He's being besieged upon, mm-hmm. and he gets the job done. And there's something so affirming about that. Like, you can be <laughs> overwhelmed and in over your head, and things are catching fire, but you will get it done. And that spoke to me so loudly. Yeah. I, my thing here is I love both of these characters. Um, I, I adore Beaker. He When I watch the, the Muppet show, no matter which version it is, Muppets Now, Muppets Tonight, original mm. Muppets, the Beaker and Honeydew segments are among my favorites. And I don't think it's it's a at all a coincidence that on Muppets Now, there's always segments in every episode with Beaker and Honeydew, Swedish Chef, and Piggy. Those are like the three ones you mm-hmm. always get. Yeah. And um, I think it's because those are the ones that are the most consistently entertaining. You can't go wrong with that Beaker and Honeydew sh- uh, shtick. And I think 90% of that is Beaker, not Honeydew. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. But he's up against Kermit. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. is like yeah. Kermit is kind of like the flagship Muppet. And I totally get why he would advance in this one. And I, feel, I hold no ill will about it. But just... Like Kate said, like Kermit is her soul and Beaker is mine. So that was mm-hmm. the vote, but I totally get it. I yeah. uh, I, I would ahead, also Matt. like to mention about Kermit though. I think that there is um, – you see this a lot with people talking about like Mickey Mouse and Disney is that there ends up being a situation with companies where they are afraid to quote unquote do too much or go too far with their icon because their main character ends up becoming – more of a, a logo or a symbol a, for the of company. A symbol, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I feel like in Kermit's case, yes, there is a little bit of that every man and every, you know, and everything. But every I think frog. that Yeah, thank you. Much better. <laughs> thank you. I think that the Muppets have done a much better job of keeping Kermit interesting and relatable and funny than Disney has with Mickey, for example, who I feel yeah. like up until the recent animated show, just in the last couple of years didn't know what to do with him for over 20 years. Yeah. Like, yeah. had a really hard time. Kermit has a demonstrable personality. Yeah. <laughs> like, he has he has a character, um, a rich character, built into his history in, in, a, in a totally different way than yes. Mickey Mouse has. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, Mickey, and I could go off on this for whew, hours, but, like, Mickey, <laughs> Mickey never really, like, Mickey never really needed one, and then he never really developed one, and then right. after the person that created and voiced him died, they didn't pick it back up because they didn't want right. to change it. Yep. Whereas I think Kermit, having been created more recently, more complex from the beginning, they yes. have a little bit more to work with. Yeah. I think that's all really good. That Those are excellent arguments. It seems like we're moving Kermit forward, correct? Yes. yes. With nothing but respect for, for Beaker. <laughs> uh, the next battle is Swedish Chef versus Sam the Eagle. And I'm again going to go around the horn. I'm going to start with Kate. Where do you come down here? The Flirty Burgie. 
Fruity Burgie. Uh, Matt Turk. A- absolutely, a hundred percent. The machine is going to Fruity Burgie. All right, I'm a Marfo. I am giving it to Swedish Chef, um, especially because he is eminently watchable. Even more so when I learned at 25 years old. Like someone had to point out, it's like, watch when he uses tools, it's human hands. I don't know how I didn't notice before that, but it is the only thing I can see when I look in the map. So it's like, a testament to Muppet magic, right? You just didn't even. Yeah. You just don't notice until you do, and then you can barely look at his face. Like, it's <laughs> incredible. And isn't it, isn't it someone different operating the hands? Isn't that kind of the gag? That like, he doesn't know what's going on? So. I think so. But like, like, and again, like once I figured that out, like I love Sam Eagle and always have and likely always will. But there's just something so odd about that that feels like a very Muppet specific type of odd. And I'm like, absolutely. It's so I, pork, pork, pork. Swedish chef. <laughs> Matt Stark, you were going to say something? Oh, no, I just wanted I just wanted to say I have. So I've not I'm not caught up in current on Muppets now. Um, but I will say that for the first like episode or two of it, I wasn't wild about what they did for Swedish chef segments mm. only because I felt like he was, they were, they were treating him more recently as like, he's upset or angry or something. I don't, I'm not doing a good job of wording this, but I felt like it was more him versus the human component or the human contestant who was also on the show with him. And I feel like one of the Swedish chefs biggest, like, advantages is that he thinks he's amazing he knows he's amazing Mm -hmm. and nobody else technically tells him he's not and Mm. like it's i feel like the muppets now current treatment of him is kind of like dropping him down a peg and i don't like that slander against the good chefs (laughs) you know that's actually true and i've watched multiple episodes of muppets now and it is that's exactly accurate like the segments are funny because of beverly plume who i don't know if she existed before muppets now but she's a great addition she's great yeah Uh, um, but yeah, the Swedish chef comes off as an asshole on them yeah. and he's really combative and um, I don't care for that. Like, yeah, this, this man is an irky dirky legend and we need to <laughs> respect him. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, he was always sort of like chaotically violent in the way in the Muppet show and the way that that show, if you go back and watch it, it's so much more slapstick, cartoony, violent. Yeah. Than yeah. you maybe remember. And it's hilarious. Like, but the whole, like the Muppaphones and what's his Horatio Skuggs, like the entire point of that sketch is that he is beating these small creatures that yelp in tune, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, and the Swedish chef is part of that. And like the food is alive and he's yes. like, burk, de burk. like, but there's like joy in yes. his, it's like Julia Child on acid. I love yes. the Swedish chef. The joy of cooking. And I'm like, is this offensive to Swedes? <laughs> Great question. I, Swedes, I if you're listening, let us know. Do you actually dislike this? I will say every time I go to Ikea and have meatballs, I think of the Swedish chef. So there you go. Uh, we are advancing the chef. Uh, next up, it's Miss Piggy versus Fozzie in what I think is the hardest matchup of the Elite Eight. Uh, let's start with Matt Turk here. I, so I have to go Piggy. And this is, Pig, this is a very personal thing for me uh, because as as a gay boy growing up but who was i feel like constantly dealing with battling that whole you know gay stereotypes about uh, all the gay stereotypes in effect i feel like technically piggy is who i aspire to be as a human like <laughs> i technically aspire to be that fabulous that much of a self-confident person that 
I wish I could be Miss Piggy. I will never be there in any way, shape, or form. But Piggy for me is perfect. I adore Piggy. <laughs> I'm a Marfo. Ooh, well, to first acknowledge that this is a Frank Oz off and that uh, Miss Piggy and Fozzie are voiced by the same person. Um, so th- I feel like this can kind of represent a, a battle within the soul of Frank Oz himself. Indeed. Indeed. Fantastic. Because they're such different characters. Um, but I ultimately, I think I would pick Miss Piggy moving forward from this. Um, again, as someone who loves comedy, performs comedy, I think too much of my comic sensibility was formed um, from Fozzie Bear. But... <laughs> Having, having since evolved into my own tastes and like recognizing what that gave to me, I think if we're talking about being emblematic as a Muppet, Fozzie's absolutely up there, but he's not above Miss Piggy. He just isn't. So I think kind of for the sake of looking at who would you pick as a Muppet to kind of represent this whole enterprise, Piggy has to move forward for that reason. Kate. Uh, excellent, excellent argument, Ama. Like I can't argue that Piggy is more iconic have we said it yet? Uh, I don't <laughs> think so, but take a drink. <laughs> drink. As a Muppet than Fozzie, um, even though I love Piggy, sometimes she scares me. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, That's why you should love her. Yes. I know. And, but Fozzie is so... And the, Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo are sort of like the triad Muppet of my soul. Um, and I just... I love his sweetness. I love how he just tries so hard and and doesn't stop, right? He's just a kind, dorky, sweet bear felt muppet. Um and but I can't I can't not push Piggy forward here because literal icon icon yeah. in our lifetimes. Absolutely. One of the most glamorous women to ever exist, I think. Happiness. Um, Miss Piggy. <laughs> uh, we will get more to Miss Piggy next round as she's unanimous, but I do want to say that Fozzie to me is the one of the most human of the Muppets. Yes. Um, like I feel like I know bears that live in New York City that are Fozzie. Who <laughs> <laughs> exists? There's many of those guys. And and they're lovely and they're just sweet and um you know you just really like them. They're good guys and just trying to get along and they just want the best for everybody. And they take tell these jokes that are so terrible that they're actually really kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Um and mm-hmm. Fozzie is charming. Piggy is not, but Piggy is fabulous. <laughs> and so for that reason, Piggy wins. Um, so moving on to the final Elite Eight, it is Gonzo versus Rolf. And I'm going to start this time with Ama. Oh, boy. Uh, um, This is very, very difficult because I think if we were to use the emblematic argument that just came up, I think there are cases to be made for both of them and there are good cases to be made for both of them. Um, my heart is saying Rolf, so I'm going to move him forward. Okay. Uh, Match Turk. Ooh. That's my – it comes down just straight up to your heart on it. I have to go Gonzo because I deeply respect the nonsense, the chaotic energy that he brings to this, where to the point that the Muppets felt like they had to do an entire movie just to try to figure out where Gonzo came from because he's mm. so – uh, different from the rest of them, but also we can have debates left and right about whether Muppets from Space actually is good or not. But I think it's interesting. <laughs> that, Canonically, that it has been addressed. Yeah. That's, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Keep Gonzo for me. All right. Uh, I got to go Gonzo. I c- mad respect for Rolf um, as 
as the sort of like beginning of Muppets and popular culture. But Gonzo is such a special Muppet because he is a whatever, right? He represents that Muppet element that is not you, you don't you look at him and you're like, it's a dogs and chickens and things. Like yeah. Gonzo is some yeah. other thing who is so like the way that Gonzo's character throughout all the movies represents sort of outsiderness and joy in outsiderness, even though he has doubts, right? Is such an important, like, oh my God, the song that he sings in the Muppet movie, I cannot even talk about it because it is just such a beautiful song about trying to figure out who you are and where you fit and who your people are. Um, he's just really special. And he's also completely absurd, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a completely absurd iconic character who always, you know, gets to play some weird thing out of his trumpet from the Muppet show. Oh, yeah. I, I have to go Gonzo here for mm-hmm. all the reasons that were described. He is the, he's unique in the, the elite eight in that he's the only one that is not clearly based on something, right? He is a right. unique, he's a pure creation. creation. Yeah. Um, and there's so much character and there's so much humanity in him. Um, and I think he is just integral to that, nuclear family that is the Muppets. And not that Rolf is not, because yeah. he is. But I think, again, as I, I mentioned previously, I feel like they have been sidelining Rolf, and I wish they wouldn't, because I think, like, bring him out. I want to see more of Rolf. He was one of my favorites as a kid. But Gonzo's Gonzo. And I remember, like, he also, I feel like, has more current pop culture cachet. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a Gonzo video game from the 80s that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, his merchandise in a way that I don't think Rolf does. But even if you set all that aside, I think just as a character and as a puppet, Gonzo has almost his own little mini universe in, in the Muppets, right? He's got his chickens. Mm-hmm. He's got his act. And yep. he's, he's, uh, he is in himself a production. And so for that reason, I have to push Gonzo forward. I will, as an aside, say that I took my niece Addison to see the Muppets in 2011 when she was like five. And she made me go to the bathroom when they were going to the toilet factory to get Gonzo. No, no. And I missed that entire your segment and to this day addison grace i have not forgiven you and i just want to say that on record all right so i am sorry i think that means we're bouncing rolf uh are you okay with that ama i am and as i think about this like going back to kind of one of the larger conversations that i've had about the muppets being representative of kind of a place that accepts everybody i think Mm -hmm. Gonzo being as out there and as weird as he is to the point where he's literally unidentifiable and still fitting so seamlessly within that environment. I think that's emblematic of that element of the Muppet experience that makes a really good case for pushing him forward. Like they really will accept anybody. Look at him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Except everybody. Look at Gonzo. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That leaves us with a final four of Kermit versus the Swedish chef and Miss Piggy versus Gonzo. And I always like to take a step back and look at the, the final four, <laughs> see how we got here. Isn't the correct one. I absolutely think this is the right final four. Um, one of the things I often find with this debate and the structure with the brackets is that sometimes you will get in the final four two very clear ones that are going to advance to the final two. 
there is not a weak person in this F4. This is a really strong F4, and I think this is going to get really nasty as we should take <laughs> to the next round uh, because these are all amazing creations, and we're all very passionate about them. So Kermit versus Swedish Chef, we are going to start. Matt Turk, where are you going? Oh, this is so tough because I feel like we just in the previous thing, I argued about why Kermit is such a good emblematic representation. But again, like down to like guts, down to comedy, down to personal like taste and like comedic influence. Oh, it's the Swedish chef for me. Wow. Okay. It's already getting hot. Amma, are you coming down on this? So this is an incredibly difficult thing because to me, this is an argument about who the Muppets are versus mm. what the Muppets can do or what the Muppets can be. Mm. And that is a really difficult mm. thing to tease apart because mm. Kermit is kind of like, I am the Muppets. Like when you think of the Muppets, you think of me. But when you think about the ecosystem that exists overall of like how silly can something be, how heartwarming can something be, how truly absurd and wild can something be, that's not Kermit. That's the Swedish chef. So, ah, oh, hmm. <sighs> I'm going to give it to the Swedish chef because I do hold a lot of reverence for kind of the capacity that he gives to the Muppets overall and maybe the kind of comedy that they kind of empower overall. So that is a profoundly difficult thing. I'm surprised even as it comes out of my mouth, but I'm giving it to Swedish chef. The Swedish chef should be wearing hot pads right now because there's some hot takes coming out of the oven. Kate Rikulia, where are you coming down? Oh, Kermit. Um, I love the Swedish chef. I completely agree with your argument, Ahmed, that he represents a kind of unbridled, creative, joyful, absurd possibility. And that is one of the hallmarks of what makes them up. It's so great. But Kermit has so he has layers of personality he has he he just like can express himself in ways that you know maybe you could make an argument that the Swedish chef expresses himself perfectly and he doesn't (laughs) need to have anything more than that but Kermit has he's sort of the soul in the comm center that still like goes crazy and ah, like he you know Muppet Arms is a Kermit thing Kermit's Muppet Arms um but he he is this, the soul of decency and hope and gentleness and sort of the power of doing a thing together. Um, the Muppet movie is one of my favorite films of all time, period. And Kermit is the one at the end of it. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. It was going to happen. When he comes to the end, he says, life's like a movie. <sighs> yeah. Write yeah. your own ending. Keep believing. Keep pretending. <laughs> I built a whole life on that, right? So <sighs> he means a lot to me. <laughs> I have, I'm 100% voting for Kermit here. And thank you, Kate. That was a very Ooh. sweet moment. And I yeah. want you thank you. Thank you. you. I get real passionate and emotional about that little frog. <laughs> well, hey, we're not done yet. Is- I can almost assure you all cry before we're done. So oh, yeah. <laughs> you will not be alone in <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Um, so I'll say this for the Swedish chef. The Swedish chef uh, is hilarious. If you were looking at the Muppets as individual performers, I think he outperforms Kermit, hands down. He's he's constantly producing laughs. The man had his own cereal that I bought in the <laughs> 80s, Cinnamon Stars. If you weren't eating it, you were missing out. Um, <laughs> Was it called Crucci Stars? Something like that. Crucci Stars. Thank Crucci you. Stars, Crucci yeah. Stars. They were delicious. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry you didn't get to sample those. They were really good. We had them every uh, constantly as kids. Um, 
But if we are talking about the Muppets as a property, mm. maybe this is right or wrong. I consider Kermit to be the embodiment of Jim Henson. And mm. I feel and I feel like you can't not move that forward. We wouldn't have them. You can argue we couldn't have the Muppets without Rolf. True. But we really couldn't have the Muppets without Kermit the Frog. Sure. I think in and of itself, the Rainbow Connection mm-hmm. as a song. Being is, green. Is, Mm-hmm. Is it easy being green? These are quintessential to this franchise, and you would not have any of it without Kermit the Frog. Um, yes, he's an everyman. He's the one who's in the background, who is not the flashiest Muppet. He's not the funniest Muppet. He's not the one who's producing the segments that you're going to remember. But none of this exists without Kermit. He is the the nucleus of this entire operation. And I and think it, it says be- something about the ethos of the Muppets that that he is the center around it, right? He is not ego-driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He <laughs> takes the back seat. He could yeah. take over this. He could be like me and take over and make all the calls when it comes to dies. But yeah. he doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. he, he lets other people shine. And I feel like, as you just pointed it, the, the Muppet ethos, that is Kermit. And it's Jim Henson. And the two mm-hmm. of them are inextricably linked to me. So I have to go with Kermit here. Is, are, mm. is anyone willing to change their vote? I cried. <laughs> she cried for you. I, no, I, I, I do, I do agree with the argument. I mean, I think that, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, yes. So, going back to the idea of like what who the Muppets are versus what they can do, I mean, I think that it's unequivocally Kermit being the one that kind of like identifies that, and especially with the connection to Jim Henson, that will sway me. I will change my vote to Kermit because that is absolutely <sighs> right. That's very, very emotional. I, I, I personally feel that all of that is absolutely completely true. And I agree that Kermit is the heart of the Muppets a hundred percent. But if we're talking about just at the moment, how I'm feeling, I'm feeling chaos, man. So at the moment, I'm Burn it down. That's what the Swedish chef would want you to do. That's the um, thing. Right now, I want to make popcorn and fill the entire house. Like, you know. Right. <laughs> and I will say, in about five minutes, I will look back on this conversation and regret having swayed Ama because if I let the Swedish chef go through, my final winner would have had a much easier way in. But we're advancing Kermit, and it's now down to Miss Piggy versus Gonzo. And this time, I'm going to start with Kate. <sighs> Why are you trying to hurt me? <laughs> because we only hurt the ones we love, Kate. I, answer. you know, you know, it's true. I, I have to stick with Gonzo, but I am swayable because ultimately I do think that Piggy needs to be one that goes forward. But I have to, I have to hang out with my little whatever. That's fine. I will take your your first answer. Yep, Ama. <laughs> there isn't a wrong answer here. No. There isn't. Um. The makeup of the Muppets is such that I would like to have a woman represented because there mm-hmm. aren't very many. And the ones right. that they have, um, like we talked about with Camilla, don't always have like their own thing going on. Janice does, but she's part of a larger group. And I think Miss Piggy is very much somebody who is like, she is her own person. Like, yes, she yeah. has a relationship with Kermit, but it does not eclipse her in any way. She is right. absolutely herself. And yeah. I like that lesson is kind of something to be imparted upon by the Muppets overall. It's like, who, like we talked about with Gonzo, who you are counts. Be that person. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Piggy. So we have a woman representing that ethos. How about you, Matt? I am absolutely as much as I adore Gonzo. 
I am absolutely team piggy because I feel like in also a situation where the Muppets largely, yeah, are either gender neutral or male presenting. Like I feel like, and especially with a lot of the performers having been men also, even again, Frank Oz is piggy. I do feel like piggy is never treated differently for being either quote unquote, a pig or also for being a woman, I feel like Piggy is instead someone who all of the Muppets either respect or fear or both, largely fear. <laughs> um, as but, they should. As they should. But I feel like also she's the one that, again, for better or worse, a lot of them end up circling around. Yes, they absolutely may be like, oh my gosh, why are we putting on another piggy number? But also they know she's the star. They understand that she can bring everybody in. Like, I feel like Piggy ultimately is representative of the show business side of the Muppets, which is, I think, important to them being able to work across various media is that she represents, you just need a little bit of that glitz, even if she's going to trip and fall into a fountain during her dream sequence, you know, inspired by (laughs) Busby Berkeley, you know, is that she, she still manages to make it work and play it off as charming. Even if she's also more of a diva than even like Cher. So. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm saving my ammunition for the final two because of voting for Miss Piggy. She's dancing. (laughs) But I will say that uh, Miss Piggy is the Galadriel of the Muppets. Uh, all chef and loves her. Yes. And for that reason, there is no choice but to stand. Um, so that means we will be bouncing Gonzo. And I, I know that's sad for you, Kate. It's sad for me, too. I think it's, it's sad okay. for all of us. It's okay. I mean, again, there was, there's no – we all win. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like the the, like, you know – the project of pitting these Muppets against each other is sort of antithetical to <laughs> what Muppets are. Very, very much so. Very much so. so. But but for the purposes of this conversation, it's also very entertaining. It is, indeed. So we have a final two, I would say somewhat predictably, oh, yes. of Kermit versus Miss Piggy. Yeah. And I want to start by opening it up. Let's go with Matt. Um, Only one of those two can have karate chop action. So honestly... It's it's picky for me. Okay. Ama, where are you coming down? <sighs> I'm giving it to Kermit here. And I think it's because, honestly, the last round argument about it being kind of emblematic of who Jim Henson is, like that sticks. That is sticking in a way that I can't ignore moving forward in this because, and Kate, here we go. You're no longer going to be alone in this. Um, Woo! The idea of what he was able to build um, in terms of an entertainment property, a means to educate kids, a means to impart values that we all kind of need to continue to live by. Kermit was on Sesame Street before The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. So, so yeah, so he, and he's kind of been the glue that has brought us through to like a number of other different properties. So like he keeps popping up other places, but at every turn, this person who decided to take this love for puppeteering and this love for talking to people, not just kids, even though that's how they're often, um, how they're often framed and just take that energy and impart it on the people around him and infuse it into the character. So it then moves into other people like that. What better calling could you have? Like if you were a Muppet to be called the best Muppet, what else could you be doing? I just think Mm -hmm. that's, 
yeah i just i got i gotta give it to him it the the influence that it's had and who it represents is just too big I remember when i said that five minutes later i was going to be regretting that uh, argument i made for kermit <laughs> regretting that argument I made for kermit. Uh, kate so i do briefly as much as piggy is a true icon i want to talk about the elephant in the room <laughs> piggy re kermit is real not great about consent <laughs> very true like Fair point. And, and as a young person her aggression toward him <laughs> which i knew was meant to be comic it bothered me the same way that ernie's uh, not aggression, but sort of like Ernie teases Bert for just being who Bert is bothered me. And f- and and so like my primary argument for choosing Kermit is he is, I think, that idea of the quiet, meek, gent- like generous, you know, kind of loses his head sometimes. But like just a nice little frog is kind of you can build a whole world around one person like that. And people will want to create a community around that. Um, And I feel like Piggy is like this incredible creation of id that like needs Kermit to balance it. Right. And Kermit needs Piggy Mm -hmm. to balance him Mm -hmm. in the same way that like all Muppets are sort of like energy balancing force fields. But I have to come down on the side of Kermit because Piggy is very, she like married him without consent. <laughs> like, I didn't like that. Which is he like a, a wild woman. sentence, but like go back to the evidence. It's all there. It's, it's all there. there. She was a woman with a plan. She knew what because she wanted. Because you share a love so big, <laughs> I now pronounce you frog and pig. <laughs> so I hear everything you're just saying, and I and obviously I made a very uh, impassioned argument for Kermit last round. But yes, I have notes on my. <laughs> We've been building to this moment. I'm so excited. Ladies and gentlemen, a dissertation, Miss Piggy. <laughs> Has the star power of Liz Taylor with the stylings of Joan Collins and the backstory of Dolly Parton. She is, in a word, everything, especially everything that a young gay boy wants. Am I right, Matt Stark? You are so right. By the way, when you were saying all of the various gay stereotypes, I'm like, just say me, Matt. Um, <laughs> like, just easy me. right here on this podcast. I'm right here. She is a New York Times bestselling author. As Miss Piggy's Guide to Life, published in 1981, was on the bestseller list for 29 weeks, that's half of a year, and peaked at number four on the charts. She is the creative tour de fork behind Miss Piggy's aerobic exercise workout album, which has instruction on how to snackercise, lift the one you love, sit down, and aerobics. And by the way, I own it on vinyl. She has her own celebrity fragrance called Moi. She was on the cover by herself of People Magazine, Elle France, The Saturday Evening Post, TV Guide, and Tatler. She has started two spin-offs of her own, The Fantastic Miss Piggy Show and Miss Piggy's Hollywood. She is the most versatile player in the show's arsenal, working in sci-fi, working in hospital dramas, and hosting her own lifestyle talk show. In addition to her renowned karate skills, she is also physically incredibly strong, having been <laughs> metal bars on more than one occasion. And here's the thing. If you have to pick between Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. And let's all agree that this is the Muppet equivalent of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. I would never dispute that. That's absolutely right. 
<laughs> You're gonna pick Liz. You're gonna pick Liz. <laughs> you can't not pick Liz. But but Kermit is no Richard Burton. Or rather, Isn't he though? <laughs> Do I not like? Hold on, I have no sense of Richard Burton other than as and Mr. Liz Taylor. Hold well, on. and I think that's the difference, Kate. Is that in that particular scenario, like she was the outsized personality, but their influence was like we'll say at the very most equal. Yes, and I think that like Richard Burton is not emblematic of anything larger than whoever Richard Burton is. Yes, yes, yep. Mm-hmm. So the analogy holds. But only to a point, I guess. I will concede that. I will concede that. I'm try- I was trying to think of another, like, even more recent, relevant pop culture couple that keeps breaking up and getting back together. And I'm a little bit at a loss for an example for that, besides, like, reality TV show people. Car- uh, Cardi B and Offset. Okay, Cardi B and Offset. <laughs> I, was, so I wasn't with- even trying hard. <laughs> so, in that case, aren't you going to pick Cardi B? In that instance, yes. But again... If Offset were somehow emblematic of the world of rap as a whole, which he isn't, he might think so. I don't agree. But like, (laughs) then you'd be having like a different conversation. I don't know that there's a scenario that I think that Kermit and Piggy is a uniquely positioned relationship (laughs) and that they both have really outsized influence on their respective fields, but for very different reasons. Yep. Mm -hmm, Yep. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. It's it's apples and oranges. It's Kermits and piggies. It's um, Kermits and piggies. It's frogs and pigs. It's frogs and pigs living yeah. together in harmony. And chickens. Or chickens and things. And Dogs and bears yeah. and chickens and things. So let me ask this. Matt, are you still stuck on piggy? Are you convinced with piggy? I, I am personally. I agree wholeheartedly with all of the Henson, like, behind the scenes life lesson and what he's trying to put forth. And I believe in that. And I absolutely think that's amazing. But I'm still stuck on Piggy. That's fair. (laughs) Amma and Kate, are you still stuck on Kermit? Yes. Yes. And so here's the thing. I never do this. (laughs) I never do this. But even looking at this, in this particular case, it is a special situation. Because (gasps) you have a situation where the there's it's more than just the nostalgia factor. There is an actual like cultural moment and the Muppets is I think we someone said earlier Kate maybe pitting the Muppets against one another is antithetical to the entire purpose of the Muppets yeah yeah Jim Henson gifted the world this property and obviously it's touched all of us and millions of people in a very special place I don't think there's anything wrong in this particular case giving it a tie because I think both of them Kermit is the heart of the Muppets, and Miss Piggy is the star of the Muppets. Are we yes. agree in this? Yes. Yes. That's, yes. That's, yes. Yes. Slow yes. clap. Not only do I agree with the ruling, that is a beautiful justification for it. Yep. I, they're I'm not they're gonna... nothing without each other. Yeah. I love and that. Whether they're a couple or not, it, it doesn't. They're they're like twin stars that keep the universe in balance. And um, I, I I don't see a, a way in which, like, I, I wouldn't feel right convincing either one of you to switch to Kermit. I really wouldn't because that argument is, I think, very powerful. At the same time, I can't give up on Piggy, Matt. Mm-hmm. Like, you're with me on this, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and I wouldn't want you to because I there's a, like <laughs> half of me is like, of course it's Piggy. Another half of me is like, of course it's Kermit. Like, yeah, down I, the middle. 
as we've said so many times, like there isn't a wrong answer here. And I think mm-hmm. maybe, and again, to like Kate's larger point, it's possible there's not a wrong answer because we shouldn't really be doing this in the first place. But since we're here. <laughs> Down with this podcast. <laughs> this is like, like the, the roof is breaking in and a rainbow is coming down on us right now. That's right. This is our Beautiful. rainbow connection, folks. The lovers, the dreamers, and us. Well, and let me and let me also say that, like, I can very clearly say, like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this in the first place, while also recognizing that Kate and I pushed incredibly hard for this to happen. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, but uh, unless I hear any objections from the panelists, none, none. We are going to call this a tie, and I think it is the only real tie. We had one other tie in a minisode, and that was bullshit. And I will state that, <laughs> but they weren't budging. This I was on that one too. <laughs> it was bullshit, Kate, and I'm saying it was bullshit, and I stick to that. Um, but uh, it was starting that ass. You can check it out. It's actually one of our most popular episodes. This is an actual tie, and I feel very comfortable going forward saying this is our decision. Our best map ever is actually Kermit and Miss Piggy. Uh, do you agree with our decisions? Do you think that we've had someone's fist up our shoots for too long? Find <laughs> us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and drop us a comment on this episode with your picks. Better yet, head to greatpopculturedebate.com and tell us what you think. And while you're there, check out the other episodes we've recorded, see if there are any polls that are open for your votes, and weigh in on which future topics we should take on next. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure that you hit subscribe and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And if you really like us, please become a subscriber on Patreon or Pod Hero, as that allows us to keep doing what we're doing. I want to thank my panelists for joining me today. To me, you are more precious than the baseball diamond. And thank the lovers, the dreamers, and you for listening to the great pop culture debates. We'll see you next time. And until then, remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions. Waka waka! <laughs> It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.